Welcome to Fringe with Benefits, episode 67, recording from my kitchen with Joe. And uh, he's he's really, really having a great time looking over my script and my introduction <laughs> and judging every little aspect of I'm it. so pissed. I am your host, Stacy, your favorite podcaster, forward slash survivalist, better not say naked. You know I have been known for all sorts of things. They used to call me Crazy Stacy, amongst many other unspeakable, sometimes rotten, and slightly flattering nicknames. What do you got a nickname for me, Joe? <laughs> Sex Kitten? Was that what you called me earlier? Vixen. Oh, Vixen. So I am, I have become now, the voice of many who are seeking the hidden knowledge of our people. So here I am, and I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. All right, we're back. Welcome to Stacy Social. Say hi to my listeners, Joe. What's up? Joe's here, and we're going to do Stacy Socials together. Like him and I actually do Stacy Socials on a more casual basis on the daily we exchange like information that we saw in the interwebs with each other and we're like what the fuck is going on so let's start with um the queen of the vaccine she was termed dr sarah beth hartledge out of louisville kentucky the vax pioneer she has died suddenly okay so kind of controversial this chick was 36 years old She was leading Louisville's fight against COVID. She was medical director of the health department. She fucking died. 36 years old. It's sudden death. They don't know how it happened. Um, Just freaking weird, right? Now, of course, uh, conspiracy theorists are like, well, what killed her? Well, what do you think fucking killed her? Probably the death jab. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah. Well, she was unhealthy. I mean, look at this chick. 36, she looks more like 56. I mean, she looks young, but she's obviously overweight. She's a medical director, and she can't take care of her own health. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think she looks too incredibly unhealthy, which is what makes me think that probably was something like the Vax rather than just bad health. Yeah, and it's like she was, you know, termed the queen of the vaccine. Here's her with her double mask. Virtue signaling. Virtue signaling. Her obituary noted that she had health issues for several years, but her cause of death has not been released. Obviously, she was vaccinated, and of course, people like us are going to be like the vaccine killer. I mean, deaths for this age bracket are up 80%, you know, 18 to 40-ish. Medical or insurance companies are coming forward with their data over the last year, and deaths for this age group are up over 80%. So, I don't know. They, this article says that these are baseless claims that we're making. And partially insidious, they say. Because she dedicated much of her the final year of her life to getting Louisville residents vaccinated. In an effort, she received national recognition for crimes against humanity. Yeah. Oh, did I say that? Well, I mean, you know, they're, of course they're going to glorify these people and, you know, all the media... it's obvious which way they lean and we've known this for years years now before the pandemic yeah i mean it's all coming out what what's really going on you just have to pay attention yeah you you don't just listen to bbc and cnn yeah um so in this article it talks about it shows a meme the cdc page it's like a 
an advertisement from the CDC. It says there's a, like a little caricature with a mask, and she's got some sweat coming off her brow, and there's a and there's a um, vaccine sticking out of her shoulder, and the text says you may die, which is normal. So this is definitely how ludicrous all of this has become. So that just kind of breaks us into the next topic is. Trisha Paddock dies at the finish line of a half marathon. This woman's in great condition. She suffers from a heart attack at the finish line of the LA half marathon. They have no idea. Why the hell would a woman who's been conditioning her body to sustain lots of cardio because she's a marathon runner, how the fuck did she have a heart attack? How did that happen? I mean, it's really sad because these are moms. These people have lost these people in their lives. She was 44. She was only two years older than me. And I, I highly doubt that she was ever concerned that she was going to die of a heart attack. Of course, devastating, really sad. And she had a husband and three children. So that was the next big red flag. And there, she's not the only person. There's been so many sudden deaths with mysterious circumstances. And we're watching this play out. Oh, like, yeah. Well, especially with, with athletes. I mean, there's uh, big, big names in, like, soccer and um, uh, basketball, even. And I think football, too, um, that have just dropped dead on the, on the field or the court while playing. You know, these are athletes. These are, these are not, obviously, couch potatoes. And it's really sad because some of these are kids. It's not just middle-aged women that are croaking and killing over dead. These are children that are dying at P.E. I don't know. It's just, it's all really suspicious and it's disturbing. Another thing that's disturbing, unless you have something to add to that, Joe. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is this Newsweek article. It's really fucking weird. I don't know if there's some psychological weirdness happening or why, why these people would choose to do this. I think sometimes this occasionally happens, but the story is... A group of family members died. One was seriously injured in an apparent group jump from the seventh floor apartment balcony. This is in Switzerland. The statement, police identified the French family as a 40-year-old man, his wife, 41, her twin sister, and the couple's daughter, eight, who all died. The couple's son, who was 15, was seriously injured and went to the hospital. Investigation is ongoing. I don't know if this kid made it. I guess these two cops visited the family's apartment at a Swiss resort to execute a search warrant for the father in connection with homeschooling their teenage son. A Switzerland newspaper reports that the police carry out annual checks to see if homeschooling guidelines are being followed. The parents allegedly failed to respond to letters, and so these officers visited the family. So they were expecting this, and their only possible crime would be evading the police for a homeschool check, okay? Officers knock on the door, heard a voice asking them who it was, and then after announcing themselves, authorities said that they didn't hear anything else coming from the apartment. Officers were unable to enter the apartment, and it appears that at that moment, the decision was made by this family to throw themselves off the balcony. Bodies were found at the foot of the building, all without shoes, and neighbors told police that they heard a loud thud, leading police to describe the incident as a group jump. So everybody jumped at once. Do you think that just a regular old homeschool check was enough reason for this entire family to kill themselves? No, no way. They're, 
there's more to the story, guaranteed. Right, so this is like an X-Files type of thing, right? Weird. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't even go that far. Uh, the media covers shit up, period, and they twist things. I'd be willing to bet um, if these people actually did jump on their own volition together, they probably had a pretty good reason, and it probably goes beyond, um, you know, the cops giving them a colonoscopy just because of homeschooling practices, right? Uh, probably they had a pretty good reason. Um, on the other hand, <clears throat> without a witness there, to say that, yes, they all jumped all at the same time, they weren't thrown out the window or, you know, scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Yeah, there had to have been some sort of screams or some kind of protest unless this was pre-meditated and they got together. Like, literally, husband and wife, the wife's twin sister. Why would everybody be okay with that? Why wouldn't the kids protest or scream? Like, why would everybody just quietly jump off the balcony? Yeah. It's weird. They wouldn't. Bizarre. Okay, group jump. I've never heard of a group jump before. Like, murder-suicides, okay, that's happened. Like, two people in on it. Even, like, <laughs> cults like Heaven's Gate or, you know, stuff like that. These people have been conditioned to... Go ahead. Well, I think... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is I think that they're trying to make it sound like that. Well, Exactly like that. Like, it's cult kind of behavior. Over homeschooling, though? Come on. There's got to be more to it. It sounds like they're, well, obviously they're blaming the family, but it does say in the French newspaper that neighbors report that they belonged to a cult. So that's pretty typical of the same kind of bullshit we deal with here. Very tragic. Very sad. Next topic I thought was interesting. It's a study um, that about our brain and the connection to looking at other human beings' faces and the effects that it actually has on our brain. And I think that this is really related because of the weird psychological... Uh, torture that we all had to go through, whether you're putting on a mask or having to deal with people in masks, I thought that this was fascinating because it shows just how how much it fucks with our brains. Um, I guess our brains receive input depending on what the object of our gaze is. This guy and his fellow researchers worked with 13 epilepsy patients who had electrodes implanted in their brains to monitor their condition. Scientists consented to take part in a study in which they were instructed to freely view a range of visual stimuli displayed on a screen, images of human faces, monkey faces, also non-face imagery. While they did this, a camera-based eye-tracking system monitored the objects their eyes were looking at, and the electrodes simultaneously monitored neural activity in the amygdala and the hippocampus. These are parts of the brain that are both involved in different aspects of processing memories, among other function, functions, functions, but also the amygdala. Is that how you pronounce it? Amygdala. Amygdala. Thank you, Joe. See, he's really useful. The amygdala is important for regulating our emotions. When, for example, when participants looked at human faces, neurons fired and synchronized between the amygdala and the hippocampus in a specific pattern that was different to the results of other stimuli. That's significant. The team interprets this of how the brain handles memory encoding for important social information. This is distinct from other non-social objects that they observed. He said that you could easily argue that faces are one of the most important objects we look at. We make a lot of highly significant decisions based on looking at faces, including whether we trust someone, whether the other person is happy or angry, or whether we've even seen this person before. 
these foundations for these those decisions have to start somewhere and researchers say that that process can be seen as the beginning of rapid adjustments to cicadic eye movements. It says that it's long been known that seeing faces make neurons fire in the amygdala more so than other forms of stimuli. They're, the reasons are unknown. Quote, this may serve hippocampal memory encoding for salient stimuli and events. Researchers are noting that proportions of cells were visually selective for human faces in a substantial larger amount in the amygdala than in the hippocampus, suggesting that the amygdala plays a more important role. And when we just, we just saw before, the amygdala is related to emotion. When a fixation on a human face follows a saccade, what is that? Neural communication. Let's up saccade. We're going to look that up real quick because... I'll look it up. You got it? it. Yeah. Keep in mind, I haven't read these articles. These are, this is all totally spontaneous to me. Stacy didn't go over any of this stuff with me. No, I didn't. Big surprise, Joe. (laughs) When the participants looked at a human face they already seen earlier in the experiment, the neuron firing pattern in the amygdala appeared more slowly, suggesting learned and familiar faces do not spark the same level of neural excitement as new social stimuli. This is reported in Science Advances. So what is the saccade? Okay, so just, just a quick search, you know, as per Wikipedia... Uh, a saccade is a quick, simultaneous movement of both eyes between two or more phases of fixation in the same direction. Okay, so that was what they were measuring. Will you look up um, salient? S-A-L-I-E-N-T. Yeah, I used to know what that meant. Let's see. Uh, what is this? Merriam-Webster. Where are we at here? Uh, moving by leaps or springs. Jumping. Okay. So salient stimuli would be extreme stimuli and this would help our hippocampus encode for memory yeah anyways i thought that this was really important because not only are they going over how important it is for our brain to store not only obtain but to store memories but the emotional response that our amygdala has when we see other people's faces it allows us to make all kinds of judgments and decisions that are imperative to our survival and that was the biggest problem i had with the mask wearing was that i felt like detached almost um stifled in a way like explain to us how you felt because i know you had a real I, i see two two things right there um you know for for older people meaning you know adults or or anyone over you know maybe the age of eight or nine or ten um you're 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 used to seeing people's faces your whole life you grew up seeing uh facial expressions or even you know micro expressions uh i do believe that is a thing yeah um but you know it gets into your subconscious your subconscious processes everything and then your brain filters it out and you're your conscious self only what it feels is relevant, right? So older people have gone their whole lives relying on facial expressions, and then suddenly we're wearing the masks everywhere. Where you know, three years ago, if you walked into a bank wearing a mask, you'd you'd oh, have you'd problems, become, right? Yeah. Suddenly, it's the exact opposite. So, so the one thing is, it's confusing for older people. Now you can't see facial expressions, but then the other one is. Younger people who are just developing, their brains are developing. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, everyone young, whether it be toddler, especially toddlers, right? Um, but even, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds, 
they don't have all of those years of experience seeing facial expressions and, and what they mean, whether it be conscious or subconscious. And so now their brains are developing with a lack of that. They're seeing this, this faceless mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, now suddenly, everybody, most people anyways, unless you live here, or some people are still wearing masks here and there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but now they're seeing people with no masks. And did they develop the same... Uh, data points. No, no. They, no didn't. they didn't. And they're finding they that they, they, they have delayed children over yeah. these last couple of years, important developmental milestones in, with their brain. I mean, shit, there was somebody that I saw today that I had never seen before without a mask. And that yeah. was kind of staggering. Like, yeah. <clears throat> like, oh, wow, there's your face for the first time ever since I've ever known you. And it's, yeah. it's kind of disturbing. I went through, I had braces put on. I had my wisdom teeth pulled uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, or you know, yeah, maybe midway through 2020, uh-huh. and had braces put on and had them taken off, and still haven't seen those people without their masks. You're kidding. I'm not kidding at all. Oh my god. And I mean, you know how many, you know, just regular dental cleanings. I, s- I still haven't seen those people's actual faces. Wow. Except for maybe one of them. Have you ever asked them, hey, will you pull your mask down so no. I can see your face? No. no. It just doesn't seem necessary, but... <laughs> it is, just, though. But if you think about that, I mean, that's two freaking years. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of things to happen. People putting their fingers in your mouth and mm-hmm. talking face-to-face with people and Never knowing what paying they these like. people money, uh-huh. a lot of money, <laughs> not even knowing what they look right. like. You would never That's recognize absurd. them otherwise. Like, well, would you? I would, but not in passing necessarily. Uh, if they were to speak to me, I would, right? Mm-hmm. But hey, that's. You know, that's auditory too. Wouldn't you but, think that that's important for like survivalism to be able to, if somebody offended you out in the real world or was a danger to you and they were masked and you were walking past them again, that person could have potentially been a threat <clears throat> to you or could have been a danger yeah. to you and you wouldn't recognize them walking sure. by. Sure. And you know, it's funny because we met in college. Um, I noticed there were a lot of people that I would walk by on the campus and because I usually wouldn't wear my glasses. I'm I'm a little, I'm slightly nearsighted, right? But beyond, you know, say 100 feet or so, it's hard for me to make out your face unless I see how you walk or the clothes you typically wear or whatever. And so there's a lot of people, probably even you, where I could have walked right past you and if I didn't see you wave at me, then mm-hmm. I could have looked right at you and not, you'd think I snubbed you, but it's just that I didn't didn't realize that was you. I didn't recognize you, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's just an example. That's just a slight visual disability. Now we're talking like masking the whole face, mm-hmm. legitimately masking the whole face. And then now if they're 100 or 150 feet away, it's, it's unrecognizable. Yeah. There's no way. And so you're right. Yeah. We're social animals and... Um, yeah, that could definitely be uh, out in nature mm-hmm. under natural circumstances. Yeah, that could be. Well, definitely. that's how I can assess whether or not that person's going to try to stab me or hurt me or, you know, you make eye contact with people. You you're, look at their face. You know what emotions they have in that moment. Either they're not a threat or they're a threat. And Your social cues are largely facial expressions. Right. They're, they're in, in the le- at least body movements. But I would say most of the body movements are... Facial expressions, mm-hmm. they're, they're micro 
expressions maybe you don't even pick up on at the conscious level, but your yeah. subconscious sure as hell does. Absolutely. Unless you're a kid that grew up wearing masks right. and never learned that. And I know that this is kind of an old subject and it's a tired one here, but I still think it's a really important subject that we still need to touch on. Like what they've done to us is a crime to force us to do something to our body that we didn't feel comfortable with. One that would actually harm us more so than help us is the biggest violation. And I won't let it go. I'll never let it go. And I think that people need to sit down and really think about that. And maybe if you're still having to put a mask on, tell them no, just stop, stop because it's liberating and fuck, you know how many people had to lose their jobs? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I flat out said I'm not going to, and I, and I hadn't, I'd started a business that was largely unsuccessful because of the pandemic and uh, all the crap that went with it. I refuse. I flat out refused. And yeah. I lost a lot of money because of it. I flat out refused. I'm not gonna go get a job anywhere where they're gonna make me wear a mask or take a take a jab in the arm. And uh, I know of maybe one employer that actually would employ people under those conditions. And uh, it was something I wasn't willing to do. Yeah. You know, but I mean, hey, that hurts, right? I mean, I lost a lot of money because of that, but. I That's integrity. I just won't do it. Yeah, I agree. It's it's exactly what it is. Integrity. I won't fly. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, I don't Period. blame you. I don't blame you. I've. I took it deep a few times to to get out into the world and to take my kid to the doctor sure. and do those things, but it didn't yeah. feel good. It felt demoralizing. It felt it was emotionally fucking scarring. And yeah. anybody who's gonna tell somebody. Oh, you're a big wimp. You you can't wear a mask for a few minutes. No, no, no. I guess I'm a fucking wimp. Then yeah, well, I just can't tolerate it. I don't yeah. want to be told what to do with my body that I don't consent to. It's it's a violation. Those people are. Should I say the word? I don't <laughs> say know. It. They're cucks. Cucks. You know. Uh, yeah, I had to a couple times too, but but one was an emergency. I did it for my neighbor. He's disabled on multiple levels. And because where we live, I had to put on a freaking mask to wheel him into the hospital. Uh, but they knew how I felt about it. And, uh, <laughs> they were they were happy I was leaving when I left. <laughs> uh, and the other one was I felt the need at the very beginning of the pandemic. Well, the whole pandemic and still right now, buy silver, buy gold. If you can, buy it now. Uh, I I had to go into the city. I had to go into the big old city to to find these things. uh, School board meeting. Yeah. Oh, and the school. Yep. But he almost got himself arrested the first time. They were going to arrest me. Yeah. For trespassing. (laughs) Yeah. For trespassing. At the school board meeting. Yeah. Yeah. But he held his ground and we were there. We masked up just so we could tell him that what they were doing was wrong. And I think it was a good thing. It's it's a noble cause, right? I mean, if you're going to slap on a mask and do something that makes you feel dirty inside, you may as well do it for a greater cause, right? Mm -hmm. I can't think of a greater cause than defending children who can't defend themselves. Indeed. Like, I know that at least 70 to 80% of those kids, every time they masked up, felt the way I felt. I mean, even if they tried to ignore that feeling of 
of being violated or being forced to do something against your own will, I, I can guarantee that most of them felt that because I'm not an exception. I know that other people felt that way. Even people that weren't willing to say it. Let's lighten the mood a little bit, shall we, Joe? Unless you have something to add. No. I, I think I made my point, I guess, right? Yeah, okay, I think it is. <laughs> I think it was a good point. A New York Post, a North Carolina dog has been abandoned after his owner saw him humping another male pooch and feared he might be gay. The shelter claimed his owners were aghast when they saw Fezco mounting another male dog. Fezco? Fezco. Um, common canine behavior, not necessarily sexual. The black and brown dog, who believed to be about four or five years old, is friendly to animals and people. Here's Fezco. Any cutie pie? <laughs> yeah, he's a good-looking dog. So how many times did your male dog hump another male dog, Joe? A lot. Like, my dogs humped a all goat. The, all the times. All the well, times. I mean, <laughs> humped the couch. Humped everybody's leg. So the poor carpet. Fezco. Well, obviously, he was probably adopted super quick because this went, this went fucking national, this story. That who who the fuck was this family that was so out of their mind that they rehomed their dog because he was humping another dog? Wasn't that isn't that what they call like gay shaming or something yeah. or something like that these days? I don't like, know. <laughs> gay shaming? Are you not supposed to do that? No, it's filed the taglines homophobia. North Carolina pets, dogs. Uh, I wouldn't consider that. Well, I guess that they were suffering from pretty serious homophobia, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, if they're worried about their dog being gay. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. Either that or they're really, really religious and they think that it's a a sin. I I think they're just really, really stupid. Really stupid. Uh, I think that's an intelligence thing right there. Not have, have anything to do with anything else. And at least they gave them up instead of taking them out back and shooting them, honestly, because there's a lot of sickos out there that might do something way worse. Oh, man. He's lucky he wasn't a pit bull. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Well, speaking of gay couples, did you hear in Utah, in Moab, there was this chick, Crystal Turner and Kylan Schult, August 18th, 2021, just recently, they were searching for their friends, right? Hunter says, I was getting ready to turn on Warner Lake turnoff. And at that point, it was like the universe was just screaming at me. You need to go straight. You need to hurry. Please, you need to hurry. Go straight. Go straight. So this chick's listening to her intuition. They're looking for their friends. Recently newly married young female couple. She said she saw this glint of silver light. And she was driving over a cattle guard, decided to head towards that light. And she said she stopped her car, backed it up a little bit and said, oh, there's campers. So I'm going to find more campers. And they can, she can ask, have you seen the girls? She's looking at it for her friends. She got closer. She spotted her friend's silver Kia and discovered, discovered that she actually found her friend's campsite. She had her father on the phone and she's walking across the campsite and she finds one of the woman's bodies in the nearby creek. So the girls that went missing were Turner, she was 38, and Schult was 24. They were shot to death. She said she saw Kylan's body in the water, immediately turned away, and just shut down. She started rambling, talking about the water, how pretty it was. She was kind of sounds like she was losing her shit and how beautiful it was. And then she convinced herself that she had to look at that body and she thought she, you know, that she really wanted it to be logs or tree limbs, but you know, she was probably in shock. 
she said she turned around, she looked, and she's on the phone with Sean and said, I found a body. I can't see her face because she's laying, you know, face down in the water. So I guess this couple went missing in Moab. Co-workers reported a missing. That was August 15th because they failed to show up for their shifts. Love-struck couple married only four months earlier were living out of their van. They were doing the van down by the river thing, going campsite to campsite. They had a little pet rabbit named Ruth. And on August 13th, they were out with friends at Woody's Tavern in Moab. They said that a creepy man had been lurking close to their campsite and harassing them. And that to other friends, she had texted a warning that if something happened to them, that they were murdered by this creepy guy that had been bugging them. Investigators have yet to make an arrest, but have declared their commitment to solving this. There's a list of potential suspects. They were identified and cleared. There's speculation that the women were not killed the night of the 13th, but actually the next morning in broad daylight. Detectives confirmed that an audio recording from the 14th has been recovered. That included the sound of gunshots. So the cops are saying... If somebody had in their dash cam while driving along LaSalle Mountain Loop Road mid-August, maybe their camera captured evidence, that actually caught the person that did this. He's been reviewing satellite imagery from the area around the time of the murders for clues. And he said that if someone was driving that road and they were filming on their cell phone or off their dash, they're going to aim it towards the canyons, towards the sunset, they would have got a picture of the girl's campsite. So if anyone... Notice their silver Kia or a second vehicle, then we've got the fucking killer. This case is active. Investigators ask that anyone who have had any information about these killings, the phone number is 435-259-8115. Obviously, they're still searching for the killer. Moab Taurus, pay attention. Really sad. They were murdered. And they were thinking this had to do with that... Um, Remember the Gabby Petito thing? Yeah. They were in the same park. Yeah, and they thought it was maybe... Oh, really? It was the same park? Yeah. They camped at the same fucking place. Huh. There's an aerial... Yeah, I don't remember all the details of that one, but for some reason I was thinking they were at... uh, What uh, what was that? They were at a few. They were at Zion's. They they were there, too. They had been all over. I mean, if I'm thinking Mm. correctly. But anyways, they're still looking for this dude. Or whoever these people were that murdered them, um, call the cops. Yeah. Well, because you know, it's really sad. It is sad. You know, guns, really. Yeah. Really, if everyone owned a gun, every responsible person who... That's a great point. If like, everyone owned a gun and everyone knew that everybody has a gun, how many people are really going to pick that fight? How many people are really going to start... Being a serial killer, especially picking on people in a freaking middle of nowhere in a tent, I uh, guarantee those statistics would go down overnight. But I don't know. That's just me. I you know I think it's it's sad that people people think that they can. I mean, you know, you're survivalist, right? That people think they can just go out into the middle of nowhere and just put up a tent, and as long as they have. Sometimes they don't even bring water or blankets or I mean just the base your basic needs. They don't bring a jacket or something, and everything's gonna be all right. It boggles my mind that people are so far removed from reality mm-hmm. that they wouldn't think to hmm maybe I need a at least a freaking baseball bat or something. What if something tries to eat me? A bear, even a freaking raccoon, some rabid 
fucking badger or something. Dude. And the most dangerous animal out there are other humans. I mean, yeah. there are psycho killers out there. I agree. I think that's a great point because... And people need to be more and aware. Dog man. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, you never know. I don't think he carries a gun, but shit, he would rip you from limb to limb, right? Okay, the next article is Uno Momento. Oh, everybody thinks that I'm just shaming these people because I don't know. Maybe they did have a gun. Maybe they. Uh, who knows? But it's sad to hear this. It it's is sad it's to hear this, up. and I just wish that people would try to to go out of their, you know, try to not be a victim. I agree. That was so insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was that, toxic. I think that's a really important thing. It's like we cannot put the responsibility on the people around us. We have to be able to protect ourselves. It's the same thing with this whole it, virus thing. Protect isn't your, yourself. Isn't your number one goal as a human being to survive? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Is just stay alive? Not first and foremost? Yeah. Seems like it to me. That's the whole point of living is to not die. But I agree. I digress. The next thing I want to talk about is Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters. That was big news. I mean, besides the whole stupid fucking Will Smith slap. But Taylor Hawkins passed <clears throat> away. He was the drummer from the Foo Fighters. And that his um, it was really interesting how the coroner reports came back from his autopsy the next fucking day, literally two days tops. I don't know why in other investigations it can take months, who knows, but they really jumped on it maybe because he had money or whatever. But he had about 10 different substances in his body. And what was weird is his heart weighed at least 600 grams. The, that's double the average of the size and weight of a human heart. He had marijuana, antidepressants, opioids, heroin, at least um, 10 different substances. They does, it does not say overdose though. So he's probably a veteran. He's probably been using drugs for a long time, knows what his limit is. If he's on antidepressants, he obviously gives a fuck about his mental health. You know, of course he's probably partying, but at the same time he knows what he, what he can use and he didn't overdose why the fuck was his heart twice the size he's not he's not an overweight person who doesn't have vascular issues he seems to be relatively healthy it makes zero sense why he's dead now conspiracy theorists are all over the map with that it was you know some kind of cabal sacrifice i don't know if i believe that but that you know they just filmed a movie in which um, Dave Grohl de decapitates Taylor Hawkins with a symbol from the drum set. Kind of symbolic. Kind of weird. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> symbolic. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. I just think it's really weird for... He's relatively... He's not super young, but he's young enough and in pretty good health that... Yeah. For his heart Seems to... Seems weird to me. It's really Seems weird. Seems weird to me. You know, I, I grew up around people that were... I mean, they were like junkies in high school. This guy, he looks like he's probably... He's probably had many battles mm -hmm. or even wars with, with drugs long term. But I agree with you. He does not look to be someone who should have a heart double the size or, or weight or whatever that was. It, it doesn't look like he's... He's not strung out. I mean, just based on these pictures. No, no. Right? It's, it's, it's something's weird. But this isn't something, you know, I heard all about it. I didn't really 
pay much attention to it. So this is kind of the first time I'm even reading an article on it. I just heard other people's opinions, but yeah, you're right. They're all over the board. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think of this one, but here's an interesting, once again, it's an article coming from the freaking media. Right. Yeah. That just doesn't add up to me. Yeah. We're going to touch on that a little bit on the next <clears> one, I think, but Days before he died, he was actually, because they were on tour, he was lured out of his Paraguay hotel room to meet a nine-year-old street drummer whom he shared a moment with. No. I don't think he was depressed. They were doing good. They were doing good. In fact, they had to cancel the rest of their shows. Everybody went home because it was just so tragic. Mm-hmm. And it's just bizarre. So, of course, they just pawn it off like it's a... A drug death, I don't think that was the case. And Foo Fighters are actually kind of infamous lately in the truther community because they were playing at all the venues that required a vaccine. They were totally pro-vaccine. They were pushing people to get it. And not only doing that, but playing at all the places where you just couldn't go see them unless you had it. I just think that's just rotten. It's just a sellout way to go. And Dave Grohl, he's kind of got some heavy shit on him. After Kurt died, he became extremely successful. And there's a lot of people out there that say that maybe he may have had something to do with Kurt's death. Now, I don't know if I... Kurt Cobain I'm talking about. I don't know if I believe that. But by golly, it's awfully suspicious. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm with you. I don't know all the details. You know, that's a whole other story, whole other podcast with the Kurt thing, as well as, um, man, my favorite artist ever, Chris Cornell. Yeah. Um, But, you know, again, that's a whole other conversation. I don't know much about about this guy um, at all. I know more about Dave Grohl, and that's not a lot, mm-hmm. so I can't say. I mean, I, I can't really form an opinion, but what I will say is that Hollywood and the music industry, dirty. It's a dirty, dark place with lots of little dark little crevices and cracks and a lot of rats and monsters living in them. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's some sort of foul play here. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's another one of those interesting, mysterious, sudden deaths. And there's no such thing as coincidence, people. Don't try yeah. to convince me there follow is. Follow the money. Yeah, follow <laughs> the money. Okay, the next one is a live science article. And like Joe said, what can we take from this that is probably true? And what can we throw away in the garbage? Because we don't even know. It's a crapshoot at this point. We really have to use our intuitive uh, senses to to be able to figure out what the fuck's going on. So this is an interesting article. It talks about how the scientific community thought the Earth's inner core was a solid ball compressed of iron alloy surrounded by a liquid outer core. New research published in September in the Journal of the Physics of Earth and Planetary Interiors suggests the firmness of the planetary ball ranges from hard to semi-soft to liquid metal. Jessica Irving, a seismologist at the University of Bristol in England, said, The more that we look at it, the more we realize it's not one boring blob of iron. We're finding a whole new hidden world. Earth's inner core remains as mysterious as when Jules Verne published his fanciful journey to the center of the Earth in 1864. Scientists have known since the 1950s that our planet isn't hollow as Verne predicted. Now, I do not agree with that. I think it is hollow. I think Vern was trying to tell us 
that there was a center of the earth. And 1950s, they put the fucking kibosh on that. CIA, thanks a lot. Anyways, they say that the planet's interior is unexplored and the immense heat and pressure are simply too great for any human or human-made probe to travel there unless something awful happens to our planet. We will never have a direct observation of the Earth's core. Mm. Geophysicists rely on seismic waves to gener generated by earthquakes. They measure these massive vibrations and they can reconstruct a picture of the planet's inner workings in a way that is kind of like a CT scan in a person. These waves come in two main flavors, they say. Straight line compressional waves and undulating shear waves. The waves can speed up, slow down, or bounce off of different mediums as it travels through the ground. So this is why they are saying that it's a different you know, state of liquid, solid, or whatever. Rhett Butler, a geophysicist at the Hawaii Institute of Geophysics and Planetology, in his new study started as a question of mismatched numbers. He was looking at how the seismic waves created large earthquakes in five different locations throughout the Earth's core to the exact opposite side of the globe. He said something was off. The quakes, shear waves, which should have passed through the solid ball of metal, were instead being deflected in certain areas. He was surprised by that. He said the math was correct, and that it could mean only one thing, that they had the structure wrong. They discovered that the waves they observed worked if rather than being a solid ball, the core had pockets of liquid and mushy, semi-solid iron near its surface. He said that we've seen evidence that not only is it soft everywhere, it's really hard in some places. It's got hard surfaces right up against melted or mushy iron. We're seeing a lot of detail within the inner core that we didn't see before. This could revolutionize our understanding of the magnetic field of Earth. While the swirling liquid outer core drives our planet's magnetic field, the inner core helps modify the field. Research published in 2019 from Science Advances said that. <laughs> Other planets like Mars have a liquid center but lack both an inner core and a magnetic field. I don't know. Is that necessarily true? Why wouldn't Mars have a magnetic field? Why would they not mm. have it? Well... I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I believe it probably does. That makes it's zero sense. It's probably really weak. I mean, it seems like they're speaking in really general terms with almost everything in here. Uh-huh. I don't agree or disagree with you, the whole hollow earth thing. I think that's a gross generalization. I think there's probably hollow spaces within the earth. Well, that would right? make more sense. Yeah. yeah uh, more like, you know, like a honeycomb earth in certain areas, like certain outer layers, and then further down towards... The center probably has a different profile where maybe it's not like honeycomb, but more like Swiss cheese or, you know, you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Like they're, yeah, there are definitely open cavities all over inside the earth. But uh, I think it's really uh, uh, ignorant for us to look at things so cut and dry where we think, oh, there's just a solid inner core surrounded by a liquid, surrounded by, you know, a layer of salt. Mm -hmm. That's probably not how it is. I think that we generalize and visualize things like that because it's just a, a visual aid to, yeah. to grasp basic yeah. concepts because most people don't need to know all this information, right? Yeah, most people don't even care. I don't think that most people can even most people don't care. conceptualize that we're on a spinning ball yeah, going right. thousands of miles per hour. But back to the question you asked me, you know, uh, what was it? Other planets like Mars have a liquid... Here, I'm reading this. Other planets like Mars have a liquid center but lack both an inner core and a magnetic field. Um, 
I don't think it lacks a magnetic field. I'm sure it probably has at least a slight magnetic field. I don't think it's completely gone. You don't have to think about it. If it ha so, what would cause it to have a magnetic field, like like the Earth, right? Um, composition yeah. inside the Earth, but also having that magnetic field would alter the composition. So it's kind of like a revolving door. It's dynamic. So, you know, Mars, we see it as a dead planet. I don't think it is necessarily dead. I don't think it's as dead as we think it is. I certainly think that it was not always as dead as it is. It's not just a dead rock. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's got things going on. I mean, right. they know there's water there. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Just most definitely. Well, it's kind of like, you know, space, the ocean, Antarctica, all those other things, they say that, you know, there there's nothing going yeah, on there. Right. What what we can measure, it's not really worth worth it to measure. Or if we do measure it, you're not gonna know about it because it's not gonna be in the news unless you seek out that information even then it's it's monitored. It's it's uh, tailored for our the majority dummies. of people. Yeah, for the dummies. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was an interesting piece because it actually talks about that there probably are pockets of liquid versus pockets of hard, and that would potentially mean that maybe there is an inner world, as well as, you know, pockets of magma and rock and other stuff, but it doesn't actually say otherwise. And, it, and I don't really get into the flat Earth topic here. I don't feel that the Earth is flat. Um, I'm not a believer in that. But I'm not opposed to that actually being a thing. Are yeah. you? Uh, I think that, you know, it's, we know that the Earth is most likely not a perfect sphere, right? But if you look, you know, look at a water droplet as it's falling. If you take your camera and you capture a water droplet that's falling, it's globular, right? It's not flat. It's at least globular. Mm -hmm. It might have one facet to it that is flattish. But in general, the whole thing is spheroidal or something like it it's globular at least right yeah well i mean follows that uh it probably the earth is probably like that the other thing i wanted to mention one more thing you know like with the mars not having a magnetic field you know i don't know too many human beings that could actually themselves test and check for that right i mean unless you're some well-known famous scientist who has access to a really huge lab and lots of people that know what they're doing you can't just go and check that sort of thing right can, mm -hmm. can you can i no we can't no. so you rely on what you're told well nasa well, who is tells reporting you? that yeah. yeah who tells you yeah well nasa we know they're fucking liars yeah they don't right? have a great track and, record i mean who are the who are the the gatekeepers of science and well smithsonian institute plays mm -hmm. a big role in it you know, we know what they do, too. Oh, yeah. They, they bury shit. Yep. Yep. They sure as fuck So, do. I don't know. Just food for thought. That is really good. I really like that. Okay, well, that's it. What we got for Stacy Socials. We're going to move on. Accountability segment is when I just, you know, kind of bullshit for a couple of minutes. I just want to say that I'm super grateful for the friendships I have in my life right now. I'm just... Um, I'm excited that Inward Survival is live again, and as we gear up for another board of directors meeting, we will be making some changes to the website and voting in new members and voting out old members. 
All updates will be shared with all of you. I want to update that our mailbag participant, Twitter handle, at WhoWatchesWe, blocked me from viewing any of his tweets when he discovered that my podcast doesn't make any money and that I wouldn't pay him for his content that he posts on Twitter. So we won't hear from that guy anymore, and I'll let you know what he says via email if he does respond. Oh, and by the way, to at watches we, no one is seeing your content as it is. I don't understand why you're so concerned. Even if you did have information that a three-letter agency wouldn't want to get out, I doubt they'd be too upset that you posted it on Twitter because no one is even seeing it. Not that I have a buttload of following here either, but really. I will protect your identity, even though I think you're a greedy, greedy scumbag and a coward. Your secret is safe with me as long as you mind your own. Business, follow me on all the socials. See the Telegram link below for the French with Benefits Telegram channel. There's a Patreon. I haven't been doing much with that, but it's there. And go visit InwardSurvival.com. Join the mailing list. And if you want to join, make a donation, go for it. We also have our mailbag. Email us at FringeWithBenefits at ProtonMail.com. I want your scary stories. You heard Joe's story episode, whatever it was. I don't remember what episode number it was, but stories like his where you've experienced a haunting, had Bigfoot grab your dome in a tent, um, anything like that, or even like and you were carjacked or you were robbed at gunpoint. Remember Jen's story where she was robbed at gunpoint? Shit like that is what Fringe with Benefits needs. Also email me at fringewithbenefits at protonmail if you want to be interviewed for the show. We've got some excellent guests coming up. If you've got an interesting story, email me. Inward Survival School of Magic. We're still joined by Joe, and he's got some tips for your health and wellness. It's all don't, yours. Don't jump off a balcony, even if your family pressures you to do it. <laughs> Uh, unless you know they're after you, <laughs> uh, and don't probably don't get the vax. I mean, unless you want to, but you know, at least look into it. <laughs> yeah, and we know that that insert doesn't have all that clinical trial data that every other vaccine has. I would say look at the VAERS website first. VAERS, V A E R S. Uh, I believe that stands. I think it stands for. Vaccine adverse and extreme reactions. I don't know what the S stands for, but system. Yeah, look into yeah, it. Something like that. Okay, so this week I stole from a hippie blog because I really liked what she had to say. This is from Goddess Awoke about embodying manifestation and how to create real magic in your life. Her name is Ranya Moss. She says that simply everything, reality and matter, being created in elementary particles from nothing or source, consciousness so that we can understand life in ourselves. Everything is from the love of oneness come into manifestation through duality for experience. We are one consciousness creating self as to explore ourselves. I don't know if any of that really made a whole lot of sense, but you know what? This girl's doing her best. She said, if this is a new concept to you, you may need a minute. But think about it. We are all connected on this planet, all affecting one another. And I'm sure you have had inklings of feelings that our consciousness is linked to one another. A part of one another in a way that was inexplicable. We are all manifestations of thoughts come into form. 
She talks about when she was, she mentions manifesting, she's referring specifically to what we bring into our own lives, what our psyche karma has called forth for our soul development. These are our relationships, our status, our bodies, and what we also attract with our will and actions. So yes, we all manifest. You manifested yourself when you came into creation. Then you manifested your childhood experiences. And then you manifested how your body would develop. You probably are unaware as you were growing up of quantum physics and the fact that your thoughts, words, and breath are very powerful. She said that now science is proving that we live in a participatory universe. What this means is it's not the mechanical Newtonian reality we once thought. Our consciousness is truly able to change the world around us. We are making both the mundane and the magical come to fruition. Because everything is just a manifestation of source, and we are the ones holding the creation of this organic energetic matrix of reality in place with our consciousness, anything is possible. Because everything exists in the realms of possibility. Anything is possible. Yes, because everything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is indeed possible. Repetition is important. That's my own tidbit there. And she then she goes into, which is our topic for Inward Survival School of Magic, is the breath and how it's the most powerful thing on the earth because the earth itself is breathing. Breath is the simplest tangible thing that all living things do that connects us to the material world. It's not only the most consistent thing keeping us alive, it's what joins us in the physical plane to one another. Even, we do, even when we do not feel or see it, breath is simply air, that incredible unseen stuff that gushes between our bodies and all things on earth. We breathe in oxygen deep into our bodies, taking in the source of life, the ability to stay alive in the purest way. She goes on to say that it's unlike food because it's not tainted by rich flavors, scents, or textures. We are breathing in reality in the way it has less density, meaning that we are bringing our own intentions into ourselves more precisely. You may have heard mindfulness teachers saying that when you eat, you begin to digest your own attitudes and feelings with every mouthful because of your energy becoming part of the consumption. Hence the push for mindfulness eating. And then it's more even like this when we breathe. Due to the fact that we are one consciousness, we are breathing in ourselves in the simplest form and so taking in our own will on a hyper level. When we suck in oxygen, we breathe in our own wish wishes, thoughts, feelings, and subconscious. And then they meld with the air as it goes through a process of respiration in our lungs, imprinting our current state of being onto the particles to be exhaled. When we breathe out the carbon dioxide, we are pushing those air particles out we have our will now inside them, out into the world. She says that this is why mindfulness with your breath is super important. We have to be aware of ourselves because we affect the world around us. She says that the power of the spoken word is absolutely incredible. Prayers, mantras, mantras, and aff affirmations are magical. However, if you are saying things like, I wish I felt beautiful or I want my soulmate to walk into my life, you don't actually feel worthy of either and you're running and you're going to run into problems that's not going to happen. Faking it till you make it will, it can work, but it's not as simple as just thinking or wishing. It comes from a deeper sense of knowing. 
And then the last quote I'm going to share of hers is, Don't despair. Magic is real, and so are miracles. We can bring more power and more goodness, more clarity, more love, and more true abundance into our lives by breathing in the beauty of ourselves and all of life, and then extending that vibrancy outward as we exhale. She said that she believes in all of us, and she believes in herself. You are already a powerful manifester. I know you can be a manifester for your own pleasure, and the feeling of love, light, abundance that radiates throughout this incredible existence. It may be more about cars, money, and esteem, or it may be about more connections, feelings of grace, or joy. It might be all of the above and more. Whatever it is, we all deserve it. Know that, feel it, and breathe the magic of your own life into your whole being. I thought that that was really beautiful and very powerful and puts into perspective why we need to practice breathing techniques and abdominal breathing. Okay, so you've got the alternate nostril breathing. That's when you block off one nostril at a time and breathe through the other. And you do this back and forth and you practice that. According to the American Institute of Stress, 20 to 30 minutes of belly breathing known as abdominal breathing or diaphragmatic breathing each day can reduce stress and anxiety. Give that a go. There's also box breathing. You basically exhale to a count of four, hold your lungs to a count of four, and then you inhale to a count of four, and then you hold, count of four, and then exhale, and you keep that pattern. Isn't that the same as like a Navy SEAL method of breathing? Breathing? Oh, the Stress Effects book, it talks about how they do teach you this in the military. When you're under an uh, incredible amount of stress, if you control your breathing and you focus on that, it will take you out of shock. It will take you out of the mode of mm. panic when you do that, mm. to be able to focus on that. There's also the 478 breathing exercise. I think that you guys can look all these up. The 478 is the relaxing breath. It's a natural tranquilizer for the nervous system. Also, there's the lion's breath or simhasana in Sanskrit, in which you stick out your tongue, roar like a lion. It helps relax the muscles in your face and jaw, alleviate stress, and improve your cardiovascular function. There's also mindfulness meditation, focusing on your breath and bringing your attention to the present without allowing your mind to drift off to the past or the future. Choose a calming focus, including a sound like a mantra, om, powerful sound, a positive word, or a phrase, and repeat silently as you inhale and exhale. There's pursed lip breathing. It's a simple breathing technique that will make deep breaths slower and more intentional. This technique has been found to benefit people who have anxiety associated with lung conditions like emphysema and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, also known as COPD. Resonance breathing or coherent breathing can help you get into a relaxed state and reduce anxiety. Okay, so let's talk about shallow, shallow breathing, which is what we all do because we're constantly under stress. So we're just, <gasps> just breathing really shallow and just in a rapid, irregular way. I know everybody does it. I do it. You know, that contributes to vasoconstriction in which your limbs, um, veins, and capillaries actually shrivel up in a state of basically fright. 
that doesn't allow the ox oxygen rich blood to get to your extremities properly. This type of breathing is called thoracic or chest breathing, causing an upset in the oxygen and carbon dioxide levels, resulting in an increased heart rate, dizziness, muscle tension, and other physical sensations. That's because your blood is not being properly oxygenated, and this may signal stress response that contributes to anxiety and panic attacks. So when people are freaking the fuck out, it's because they are not breathing properly. So diaphragmatic or deep breathing can stimulate parasympathetic nervous system, which is part of the peripheral nervous system responsible for regulating heartbeat, flow, blood flow, breathing, and digestion. Deep breathing helps you avoid the fight or flight response in mentally or physically terrifying situations. We all know about Wim Hof. We've talked about him on the show before. This is what he is doing. He is tapping into a subconscious and changing physiological parts of his body and regulating parts of his body that science has said that we were never able to regulate before he's doing that all with his breath and his mind. So a lot of people aren't really conscious of the way they breathe, but there are two types of breathing patterns. Like we said before, the abdominal diaphragmatic breathing, that's the deep, even breathing that engages your diaphragm, allowing your lungs to expand. And then there's the thoracic chest breathing, which we talked about. This is the short, rapid breaths. This is what, this is what happens when you're anxious. I think everybody can pretty much point out when they're in one or the other type of breathing. And being conscious of in what state you're constantly in is going to change things dramatically for you. Because you'll realize when you're in a stressful situation and your breathing is not actually using your diaphragm or fully inflating your lungs that that's just gonna cause even worse reactions. So everybody remember to breathe properly and get your shit together. So, <laughs> Joe, do you have any input on the breathing technique? You probably agree? It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, just okay. Just breathe, man. Yeah, and you know what? Look up those type of breath techniques. Write it in your journal. I tell you guys all the time to write in your journals. Write down what breath technique you used that day and how you felt afterwards and you know how it affected you throughout the day and that's that's what we got our stoic thought of the week goes to ralph waldo emerson he said our greatest glory is not in never failing but in rising up every time we fail be silly be honest, be kind, and dare to live the life you have dreamed for yourself. Go forward and make your dreams come true. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us.